It's a beautiful arrangement. Thank you, Adult Ensemble. Beautiful blend on your voices. I want to speak about prayer this evening. It's such an important part of the Christian life and often overlooked and unmentioned. How many of you heard me speak about prayer from Luke 11, 1 through 13 recently? It's what I did Wednesday night. I was just seeing how many people could remember. <laughs> I saw two raise their hands. Luke 11, 1 through 13. The purpose of prayer. And, and Jesus, his disciples come and ask him how to pray. And he gives the Lord's Prayer. And then he tells them a parable to drive it home. And so I want to use that this evening to, to talk about prayer a little bit. And, and what I've learned about the purpose of it, the point of it. Why, why we pray and why he asked us to. Luke 11, 1 says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Pray with me. Father, as we, as we come tonight to, to think about prayer, wherever we are in our own prayer lives, move us closer to where you want us to be. Help us to see the desire you have for fellowship with us. And when we pray, remind us that it's not so much just seeking your hand and the things that you can give as it is seeking your face and being in your presence and the joy that provides. In Jesus' name, amen. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Those statements about prayer sound almost too good to be true, don't they? I was a, a grader at seminary. I've taught in evening school before. And during final exams, I can see the faces of students creased in fervent prayer. And when I read their exams, it's clear that what they asked for was not granted in that particular moment. A family is huddled in the, in the middle of their house and they're praying, Oh God, please don't let the tornado hit our home. And just as the tornado reaches the edge of the fence, on the edge of the yard, the funnel cloud makes a jump and hops right over the house. What happened? Did God cause that? There's a terrible automobile accident, and the driver 
of the car is in surgery and the prayer group at church is mobilized and claims a verse, asking it will be given. They pray for recovery and several of them are so confident of God's answer that they go to the family and report that God is already answering their prayer and, and, the, and the man in surgery is getting well, but the doctor comes out in his gown and says, I'm sorry, we did everything we could. And so the request of the disciples is our request too. Lord, teach us to pray. How can we make sense of it all? And he gives them this prayer and tells them a parable. He says, someone arrives at your house at night, and if you live in the Middle East, the rules say that you must feed a midnight caller. That is, that's just the, the etiquette law of the land. They had no, no hotels, very few inns. They had no restaurants. And so hospitality was essential. But you have no bread, not even enough for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so you put on your bedroom shoes and your bathrobe and you traipse across the lawn already wet with dew at midnight and knock on your neighbor's door. And your neighbor lives in a one-room house because all the houses back then were one room. The floor is covered with sleeping people and animals and you knock on the door. Please give me some bread. I have an unexpected late night caller and hospitality requires that I feed him. And from inside the house is the reply of a grumpy voice, go away, everybody's asleep. Knock, 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 knock. Finally, your bedraggled neighbor gets out of bed and gives you some bread just to get rid of you. That's not a very flattering picture of a neighbor, is it? And for a long time it bothered me because it's not a very flattering picture of God either, at least I didn't think it was. How is it that God answers our prayers when we knock and knock and pray and knock. And, and, and is it if we just keep on bugging him long enough, eventually he'll cave and give us whatever we want just to get rid of us? No, no. I had a professor at seminary that was fond of saying, I don't want to live in a world where God has to do your bidding. I don't want to live in a world where God has to do what you want him to do. And I keep thinking about two farmers, one whose field needs rain and one whose field needs sun, and they live side by side, and one prays for rain and one prays for sun, and how's God supposed to answer that? One little cloud over a small farm and then sunshine over everything else? Jesus is trying to teach us something about prayer here, and he's using a tool that the Jewish rabbis often used. It's a familiar argument among the Jewish rabbis. It's called from the lesser to the greater. And so the parable does not compare the grumbling but compliant neighbor to God. But what it does say is this. If a cranky neighbor will get up in the middle of the night to give you some stale bread just to get rid of you, the lesser, how much more do you think a loving God will do for those whom he loves when they ask the greater? And then Jesus says the exact same thing in another story. If a child asks a parent for fish, does the parent give him a snake? And if the child asks a parent for an egg, does the parent give the child a scorpion? Of course not. If a parent who loves his child imperfectly 
will give good gifts to the child that asks for fish and bread. How much more will God, who loves us perfectly, give good gifts, including the Holy Spirit, to those who ask? And, and in our praying, it's not so much that we are conforming God to our will, that we're changing his mind or twisting his arm to, to coerce him to do something he might not necessarily want to do or tell him something he doesn't already know. But in prayer, we are conformed to his image. We become aware of and responsive to God already working in our lives and in our world. And so, yes, prayer does free and enable a loving God to act on our behalf, and it unleashes untold amount of power in the universe for good. But also prayer prepares us to receive what God wants to do in our lives and in our world. On our prayer sheet each week, at prayer meeting, I include a prayer thought for the day. I don't know how many people read it. It's right across the top of the prayer sheet. But the one this past Wednesday I thought was really good, and it said this. Whenever the insistence is on the point that God answers prayer, we are off track. The meaning of prayer is not that we get hold of God. It, the, the point of prayer is that we get hold of God, not of the answer. Did you hear that? The point of prayer is that we get hold of God, not the answer. Once again, the point of prayer is to seek God's face and not just his hand. And if all we're doing in prayer is coming and asking for things, give me this, do this, fix this, help me here, then we're missing the whole point of prayer because the point of prayer is just to be in fellowship with God. There's no substitute for talking to God and then listening to him. You remember the last time you said, I love you to somebody or heard it from somebody? I don't care what you say, men. There's no substitute for those three little words. Your wives need to hear them. And if you're honest, you don't mind hearing them yourself so often. If our spouses need to hear those words, how much more so does God, who is the source of love, who loves us perfectly? Years ago, a young man approached the foreman of a logging crew for a job. And that depends, said the foreman, let me see you take this tree down. The young man stepped forward and skillfully felled a great tree and impressed the foreman. And he said, okay, start Monday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday rolled by. Thursday afternoon, the foreman approached the young man and said, pick up your paycheck on your way out today. And the man said, but I thought you paid on Friday. He said, normally we do, the foreman answered, but we're letting you go today because you have fallen so far behind. Our daily charts tell us that you dropped from first place on Monday to last place on Wednesday. The young man objected. I'm a hard worker. I get here early in the morning. I'm the last to leave. I even work through coffee breaks. And the foreman, sensing the boy's integrity, thought for a moment and said, have you been sharpening your axe? The young man said, I've been working too hard to take time to do that. And I read that and thought about prayer. Have you been too busy or too hard at work to stop long enough to sharpen your axe in prayer? Prayer is the sharp edge 
the hone that helps you cut through life. Without it, the more you do, the duller you become. There's a bumper sticker that says prayer changes things, and I believe that. Prayer does change things, and it's not in a magical or a mysterious way, but as as a result of us learning how to open ourselves up and be obedient to God. Max Lucado wrote an article entitled, When You Speak, God Hears, and he talks about something I've never thought before. He said, Mary and Martha sent someone to tell Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Someone carried the request. Someone walked the path. Someone went to Jesus on behalf of Lazarus, and because someone went, Jesus responded. In the economy of heaven, the prayers of saints are a valued commodity. John would agree, and he wrote the story of Lazarus and was careful to show the sequence. The healing began when the request was made by someone who carried it from Mary and Martha to Jesus. The phrase the friend of Lazarus used is worth noting. When he told Jesus of the illness, he said, the one you love is sick. The power of prayer, in other words, doesn't depend on the one making the prayer, but on the one who hears the prayers. We can repeat this phrase in so many different ways. Jesus, the one you love, is tired and sad and hungry and lonely and fearful and depressed. The words may change, but the response never changes. Jesus hears our prayers. He takes them to the Father. All heaven is silenced, so not a word is missed. The master hears the request. Jesus stops whatever he's doing. He takes note of the man's words, and this anonymous courier is heard by God. Jesus, the one you love, is sick. Your prayers move God to change the world. And and we may not understand fully the mystery of prayer and all that transpires when a prayer is voiced and and it rises up to heaven. But we don't have to understand it all. We just have to trust it and believe that it does. But this much is clear. Actions in heaven begin when someone prays on earth. When we speak, Jesus listens. When Jesus listens, the world is changed all because someone prayed. And then there are those times when prayer can't change the way things are, but even then something is given in prayer. Every time I go into a home where there's been a death, I wish I could pray and bring that person back to life, at least in this world. But God has a bigger plan. One man I remember in particular, I visited after the loss of a child, and you talk about grief. It's terrible. I didn't know what to say, and so we just sat there hugging and crying, and after praying, after a while, the father said, you know, I spend half my time crying and the other half praying, and somehow we're going to get through this. Somehow we're going to get through it. Prayer helps because it puts us in touch with God who loves us. 
Susan was working on her DMA when we were in South Carolina, and she would travel two hours on Tuesday and Thursday in the morning to get to Columbia from where we were, and then at night to come home. She'd leave about 7 a.m., get home 9 or 9.30 at night every Tuesday and Thursday for about four years. One Thursday night, she was driving in from Columbia before cell phones. How did we ever live without cell phones? And it started to rain, and I mean it was raining hard. Coming down buckets, lightning and thunder, bright and loud as if they were inside the house. And I began to get worried. Even our cat sensed something was wrong and stayed underneath me all night. I kept looking at the clock. It was past time for her to be in. Kept praying, kept looking at the clock, kept looking at the window, praying, clock, window, praying, clock, window, 10 o'clock, 10.15. I'm getting my keys and putting some clothes on, and I'm going out trying to retrace the route that I think she would be taking on her way home. And about the time she comes bouncing in and says, Hi, I'm home. What in the world are you dressing to go out in this weather for? <laughs> and just knowing that she had come in once again safely, Hearing her voice, I could relax and get ready for bed. How much more it is to know that God loves us and that he's coming into our lives always for us every day. I believe this year for First Baptist Tifton is going to be a, a milestone. And I want everything we do to be approached with prayer. The tasks are great. There's much to accomplish. Because there is, we must take time to pray. Reminded me of a poem. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish, I didn't take time to pray. Problems tumbled about me. Heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted joy and beauty, but the day was gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, you didn't seek. I tried to enter God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. So I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish. I just had to take time to pray. Jesus says, everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and to those who knock, it will be opened. Is it too good to be true? No. It's too good not to be true. And he wouldn't have said it if it were not true. Let's pray. God, forgive us for our lack of emphasis on prayer, for using it as a, a fire escape, uh, in desperation as a last, a last resort to try to get you to fix something that we've messed up or to help us um, overcome a problem that we have placed in our own paths. We're so good at doing that. And yet even then, you are faithful. And you answer prayer. And sometimes you say yes. 
right now. And sometimes you say no because you love us and it's not in our best interest. And sometimes you say yes, but not yet. So help us not having all the the knowledge and not having all the wisdom and not having all the love and not seeing as far as you can see. Help us just to trust you, to pray and open our hearts and pour out our feelings and emotions to you and to leave it with you and to trust you to know that you're going to do what's right and what's best and what's good all the time, even when we don't understand, even when we can't see the finish line. When things don't turn out the way we desire, it's because your plan is bigger and your plan is better. And we have to live by faith sometimes and not always by sight. And that makes prayer all the more important because it puts us in touch with you, the author and finisher of our faith. Of course, in your name we pray. Amen.